0: This is Linux Unplugged, episode 16 for November 26th, 2013. Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that already has one foot out the door this holiday week. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt. So, uh, we got a fun show today. A lot of things happening. Even though it's a holiday week, you'd think t- it's Turkey It's Turkey Day uh, tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow here Tomorrow's in the United States. Tomorrow's Turkey Day. No, wait, yeah. no. Thursday. No, wait. Thursday. Thursday. Sorry, I got my... There's
1: Turkey all week long, Chris. I've, got I've
0: already it. got tryptophan uh, <laughs> all in my blood system. I'm, all, right. I'm a wreck over here, Matt, because all I can think about is that bird, and then just planning my turkey strategy so that I leave enough room for pumpkin pie, but not so much room that I eat too much pumpkin pie, right? It's all about finding the right bandwidth for your stomach. Right, and this is what you would think we'd be concerned about right now. But no, my friends, no, we have more important matters. Some big things are happening in the land of Linux infrastructure. You might be familiar with Docker. Now, that could be because I talk about it all the time. I talk about it too much. Maybe we should just call this Docker Unplugged. But this week, something big happened on the day we record live a new version of Docker is out, and it promises to bring Docker to all Linux distributions. And Woo-hoo. there's only one way, I thought, to get the appropriate official word on the new version of Docker, and that was to bring on Solomon from Docker. He is the co-founder and CTO of the Docker project, I guess. Am I? How, I what is the organization behind Docker, Solomon?
2: So it is It is now officially Docker Inc., okay. Docker.com. And uh, that was a
0: transition from?
2: Yes, from dot .cloud. Ah, Right.
0: DotCloud was uh, actually, that actually sort of signifies a big transition in how you guys are structuring your business because where yeah. it wasn't before, it was, weren't you guys more of a software of a service platform and now you're kind of transitioning to the Docker project?
2: Yeah. So we're, we're DotCloud uh, launched in 2010, a platform as a service. So, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Heroku or Google App Engine, uh, a hosted service uh, that runs other people's web applications basically. And so we've been doing that for, for several years. We still do it. Uh, it, you know, it, the product is still there. We have lots of customers. It's a growing business. Uh, the change of name is really to indicate that Docker is just going so crazy, uh, and growing so fast that the only, the only way we can do a good job at maintaining it is, is making that the number one focus of the company.
0: So, um, can we give just a, a real quick elevator pitch on, on what do you, what do you, when you, somebody says, Hey, uh, what is Docker? What do you tell them? that just sort of makes it click for them.
2: Uh, well, it depends how technical they are go but... <laughs> technical don 't
0: be afraid we have a, we have a brave crew with us
2: so uh, so D- docker is a is a container engine right? it 's a, it's a, it's a way to package and deploy your application in, um, in a sort of a unit that can be moved around very easily from server to server and then uh, executed on any of those servers in a very uh, repeatable way and and, and it uses uh, a sandbox execution environment uh, that, that I like to compare to how, um, you know, iOS or Android sandboxes its application. So it's really that notion of it's one thing, you execute it, and it's running in its own little sandbox. Uh, it's not interacting in any way with other applications that may be running on on the same server. Uh, and so that gives you uh, a lot of flexibility, a lot of power in how you deploy um, your applications. It and, makes it much easier to automate that.
0: And Docker is sitting on top of some new-ish Linux technologies to accomplish this, is that correct?
2: Yep, that's right.
0: And what are those technologies?
2: So, I mean, the, the, um, there there is there's three main low-level uh, technologies. So the first is namespaces, uh, and it's the ability for the Linux kernel to execute processes um, and have them not see each other, basically, to kind of sandbox them, uh, so that the, you know, simplistically the process thinks it's alone. And so uh, you've got a bunch of different namespaces, uh, PID namespaces, network namespaces, et cetera. So a process can have its own network interfaces, its own uh, process space. So when it lists all processes on the system, it sees only its ah, own, okay. et cetera. So that's the first. Uh, the second is one called C groups or control groups. Uh, and that is the, that is a subsystem in Linux that, deals with everything resource allocation and resource uh, accounting. So if your process can get a certain amount of something uh, and and uh, another process can have another amount, that's c So anything uh, from memory allocation to CPU uh, priority to um, how much I.O. you're allowed to consume, et cetera, that's all C-groups. Uh, and so that's what allows you to, run a bunch of applications side-by-side side and do things like, hey, this application gets 100 megs of RAM, this one gets a gig, and they don't walk on each other's toes. Uh, that's number two. And the third feature that we, we've been using aggressively is um, copy-on-write file systems. Ah. Basically. The ability to take a directory, to so take a file system and create any number of copies, a lot of copies potentially of that file system uh, in, almost instantly with very little performance overhead.
0: And uh, in, in, in starting in version, if I'm correct here, starting with the version that came out today, 0.7, is the file system area one of the areas that we're seeing some of the biggest changes for this release?
2: Yep, that's correct. And is uh, th-
0: these changes uh, are what?
2: So what we've done is we've taken the, the, the underlying copy and write file system that we have been using from the very beginning, which is AUFS, and making that, um, moving that from a hard-coded uh, default to an optional driver, and shipping multiple drivers so that you can pick and choose uh, from one of the, you can pick one of those drivers depending on what your system supports.
0: Oh, so we're talking multiple Linux distribution support almost all Linux distribution support.
2: Yes, that was nice. the big. That was the big um, the headline of the zero point seven release. Yeah. which Today there is there's a lot there's a lot going on in that release. I'll, I'll just start with that. Uh, but, you know, we we kind of made a list of seven really important features um, that 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 shipped with zero seven. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, definitely the one at the top is the fact that this is the first version that runs on a on a non modified standard Linux kernel, which means that it. Docker runs on basically every every Linux distro which was not the case before.
0: That's awesome. I mean that's a that's that's so to me what reason that takes Docker in a sense <clears throat> not to diminish the other features the other six features but that takes Docker to a sense to sort of in a way becomes the great normalizer amongst Linux distributions because I can I can build up an application and its environment on a uh, Fedora box, I can, I can get everything running, and then I can pick that up, and I can move it over to, an, a, to a Debian box or an Ubuntu box and have the same exact performance results, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that I should have on the other operating system, correct? On the other distro.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like one of the big goals of Docker is to make that mobility uh, easier, right? The, the, the goal is really that across all the machines that you have access to, uh, from your laptop to your production uh, servers to your QA servers across multiple data centers, multiple infrastructures in house public uh, cloud et etc that the commonality between all of those is that they can run docker and then you have this kind of big really um, really flexible um, playing field where you can just move containers around right. And that's really – you know, we keep using the metaphor of shipping containers, and I think at this point everyone's sick, about, sick of hearing about shipping containers and Docker uh, being the shipping container of, of computing. But that's really – it's really relevant beyond the, hey, let me explain to you containers for dummies. It's a really good analogy because a container shipping system is only as valuable um, as the sum of places where you can ship you know no uh, one yeah. no one would care about a, a shipping infra a worldwide shipping infrastructure that that was supported by two cities right no right, one cares right. about that it's valuable because you can ship anything anywhere and so that's a that you know if you look at our roadmap for docker that's basically the goal that you can install docker on any of your machines on one hand and on the other hand uh, whatever it is that you're developing and and packaging that Docker can can package it.
0: So, and this part of it, this packaging part of it, is sort of one of the comparisons you always see thrown out whenever I talk about Docker in our chat room is jails. People compare it to BSD jails. Yes, but one, one of the differentiators here, and maybe you could go into a little detail here, is I could build a Docker container that has um, Apache and MySQL all set up, ready to go. And then there is a way, a very Git-like way, for me to take that entire instance and and publish it and then go to another machine or have or have a coworker or a fellow developer who whatever the scenario is pull it down to their computer using another git like command right
2: yep that, yeah so
0: exactly talk about that a little bit
2: yeah the the i think there's a there's kind of this constant um you know over time we've been we've been uh, docker has been has been tested and used by a lot of people and there's i don't know how many conversations about docker i have been in but it's a lot and and <laughs> so there's kind of a pattern <laughs> there's kind of a pattern and the kinds of questions and, and, and reactions we get. And there's definitely one particular threat of reaction, which is basically, Hey, this is nothing new. Um, jails, uh, well, even in Linux, open VZ has been around forever. Right. V server before open VZ has been around forever. Uh, you know, Solaris zones, yeah, yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Even LXC, uh, which is the kind of the newest of the bunch has been around for a couple of years. Uh, so, you know, there's that question of, well, okay, you know, big deal. What, you know, Uh, I will concede me, the, the, the expert sysadmin who has been using all these, these amazing things for years, I will concede that, okay, this makes it easier for the beginner, but beyond being training wheels for the real deal, what the hell is Docker all about? And I hear that all the time. And I think there's a big misunderstanding, which is that, you know, Docker, we don't pretend to have invented this stuff. Uh, and we, we try really hard to make sure, um, to to constantly credit the, you know, the, the, all the people building the the really hard important stuff that Docker is built on top of. Uh, so really we're standing on the shoulder of giants here, what's really valuable. What's really new about Docker is that it's not just, um, it's not just a, a new, it, like a, a lighter VM, right? Uh, it's not just, Hey, I can, I can start a machine faster. I can, uh, I can, um, sell a VPS for, for less because there's less overhead. Um, it's, it's about, using, um, it's about creating a new unit of software delivery, right? And the keyword is delivery. It's moving things around, having that portable format and a, and a, and a portable runtime where you can specify in advance to the developer, here's what's going to happen uh, when, when this application is run by Docker. And everything that I'm telling you now about what's going to happen will be true for every single installation of Docker everywhere.
0: And that's kind of a big deal. Do you suppose looking into your crystal ball of craziness going way out in the future, as hard drives and bandwidth just become more and more plentiful, could actual desktop applications be delivered this
2: way? Oh, I cool. think so. I mean, you know, our focus is, is definitely the server first. Yeah, yeah. But And if you had asked me six months ago, I'd have said, well, you know, maybe one day, but, but <laughs> it, will, it will be a long time. Meanwhile, we have an entire subgroup like an entire underground community within the community that is uh, porting Docker to, to uh, Raspberry Pi. Right?
0: Oh, wow. That was my next question because it seems like the Raspberry Pi is it, it, it is the perfect device for this because the overhead of virtualization is just way too much, right? Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's a perfect thing, and you, there's plentiful. You could have dozens of them. You could move Docker instances around on all of them. I mean, so is that happening? Is Pi happening?
2: Yeah, so the, the, there was a big blog post. I keep reading about it. Uh, I'm just like, wow, I, I, who, who are these people? They're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's Docker. We don't officially support 32-bit architectures. Uh, mostly, not because it can't, it doesn't work. It's basically, there's an if statement in there, and if it's if 32-bit, then fail. And you know they've removed it, and then kind of went through uh. um, fixing problems as they find them. Um, and yeah, they, there are people running uh, Docker on, on Raspberry Pis today.
0: Wow, and,
2: and likewise. So embedded systems, I think there's a huge opportunity for that. And uh, desktop applications, I, I see, I see a lot of that going on. Not delivering, you know, not directly running the desktop application. Yeah. A lot of the, the intermediary use case that I'm seeing is people want a desktop environment uh, it, on the server. You know, they want a remote, sh- they want a remote desktop, uh, but you know, th- but they don't want to
0: junk up their main server OS. Right. Yeah
2: and they don't and they also don't want to set up like this one kind of special case desktop yeah. remote vm they're like you go you have to go and click around to to, to make it work uh they just like docker run the, 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 there was this blog post about um you know putting a um a, uh like i forget the name the the you know an open source alternative to the to the the microsoft suite uh like all ready to go so you would docker run it and then you you have a, you had a uh, an X window remote session, which would be you know tunneled through SSH, and then optionally on top of that, you could have uh, a VNC viewer, which itself had a HTML five client. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <Or something>. Wow! <laughs> so have, like a little <laughs> desktop in the browser, yeah. and you know under the hood, it was just a Docker container.
0: So uh, while we still have that crystal ball out, um, you know, looking at the future of Linux, this is a, such a great Linux solution. Um, it seems to be that more and more people are getting behind, especially on the SUSE side of the fence, uh, getting behind ButterFS. Uh, any future plans? How does ButterFS play in with Docker? Because uh, I know that there's some challenges there, isn't there? Like you couldn't use ButterFS in place of, say, AUF, uh, an AUFS system, right?
2: So the short answer is that uh, I'm pasting a link to you right now, and that's the pull request for better FS support. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. oh, wow, there it is. <laughs> uh, and so we're probably going to merge it this week, as you know, under ex- the experimental label. But oh, okay. the, um, the blocker, the, there, there was a blocker. You're right, and the blocker was really in in the internals of Docker and how our code was organized. It, it just had to do with the fact that AUF, you know, Docker was had a UFS built in, hard coded. Uh, and it took a little bit of reworking to make that part optional and pluggable, and find the right API and all that good stuff. Now that we've, and it took us a while. Yeah. Uh, initially, zero seven was supposed to come out a little earlier, <laughs> but eventually we figured it out. And and now that that we went we went from one to two drivers, uh, going from two to three and three to ten is is really not that hard. And so there's people experimenting with. You know, a possible ZFS driver. Oh wow! A Ceph, GlusterFS. There's some crazy guy doing something. Something has to do with automatically syncing to BitTorrent. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but wow, that could be pretty cool too. Though that's there's a lot cool. of cool stuff you can do, and so that's really like if I had to summarize what's going to happen going forward, since I saw the crystal ball, right? Yep. Before I give it back to you, uh, <laughs> there's just going to be more of that of taking things that are hard coded in Docker today and moving that to an optional plugin defining an API and shrinking the core. And we're going to do that for storage, for networking, for sandboxing, for, uh, service discovery, all of these things that, you know, there's no single true way of doing it. There is, there is 10, 20 and everyone has a favorite, you know, everyone has yeah. a way they need to customize storage or networking or whatever. Yeah. They should all be able to do it through Docker.
0: I, uh, I'm going to be deploying some Docker instances here, uh, probably in the beginning of the year because, uh, I, uh, I'm a crazy guy, and I like to have a kind of a, a really rapidly rolling system as my main system. But I can bring up in Docker, I can bring up a Zimbra installation and keep it nice and steady and stable, running on top of a supported distribution. And I just look at this and I think this solves this solves so many enterprise problems. This solves small business problems. This solves this solves developer problems, and it also solves end user problems. And I, I I think Docker is one of the most exciting things happening at the lower levels of Linux. So happy to see version seven out. But you guys are still not technically saying, hey, this is ready for production, are you? You're still kind of saying this, we're still working yeah. on it.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know how long we're going to get away with that. Because <laughs> uh, people are using it. <laughs> yeah, and I can tell you, I, I got an email. I, I mean, there are a lot of people who are very comfortable saying publicly that I use Docker in production. Yeah. And, you know, basically we're saying, hey, we're not saying, we're not forbidding you.
0: But just a warning.
2: Saying, if you do it, you better know what you're doing because yeah. we're not guaranteeing that anything will work properly. Yeah. There is no particular reason. So people sometimes get suspicious. Like, Why are you saying that? What's going to happen? There's no one thing that's going to... It's just engineering good practice, right? It's, it's right. new code, uh, And we're, we're an ops shop, right? We run people's apps in production. Right. We've been in that situation of, oh, cool, let's try that. Let's use it. It'll be fine. And then it All blows right. up, of course. <laughs> so, you know, but at the same time, you've got Yandex, you know, the Google of Russia, and they're freaking huge. Mm-hmm. You got Baidu oh, yeah. the of China, and they've got Docker in production on thousands of servers today. We got an email from a startup wow. uh, called Runnable. Uh, and they do like, um, like snippets of code, like they Google, like, oh, how do I do this and that? And, but then there's a run button, and you click, and you get a, like, a live running version of it. Um, and they, they emailed us saying, hey, we have uh, half a million Docker containers in production. Wow. <laughs> so, Holy cow. So, yeah, right. then you know, what do you say to that, right? It's like, well, okay, well, let me know if you have a problem. <laughs>
0: Uh, so a question from our chat room, they wanted to know, do, do, have you heard any indications if maybe this is one of the larger projects running, using Go?
2: Uh, I think it's the biggest in GitHub, at least. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, we we, we, we talked to the Go team, the, the, the core Go team a lot. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we used Go as a very kind of pragmatic uh, decision process. We're a Python shop originally. We're not, you know, Go fanatics. We're not really fanatics of any language. Um, and we kind of, you know, reached the conclusion of using Go, uh, and started using it and liked it. We kind of had that kind of gut feeling that it was cool, you know, as as systems engineers, that this was something we could rely on. Yeah. Uh, and so far it turned out to be completely true. It's a, it's a great language, but you know, when we, we, what happened is, you know, Docker kind of blew up. It it became popular very unexpectedly, very quickly. We were certainly not ready for it. (laughs) Uh, and we're still paying the price now. I mean, there's chunks of code that, you know, you'll see, you know, fix me. This should not exist. And it's been there for like four months because we, we didn't have time oh, wow. to get around to just cleaning it up. So well, you know, I now.
0: talked to some, I talked to a couple of guys from the Docker project three, four, five months ago, can't remember now on the Coda radio show that we have on the network. Yeah. And my comment then was, are you guys ready for how big this is going to get? Because, you know, I'm, I've been, a, I was a admin for 14, 15 years and this, I mean, let me tell you, I just I saw all of the problems this solved, so I can see how it's blowing up. Do you feel pressure to get to one do you feel like it's building like you like
2: oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, a lot of pressure i mean the there's just the pressure of hey, a lot of people using it, you don't want to let them down you yeah, know you want right to be worth it yeah. and now there's the additional pressure of you know as a company as an organization, a lot of a lot of businesses are betting their their technology platform on docker, right so it's it's kind of this double you know, you don't want to let down your your fellow maintainers and and the community, and and give them crappy code and, and kind of disappoint them. And you also, um, you know, you want to make sure that the businesses betting their technology future on this. I mean, it seems kind of it it is pretty crazy just how rapidly things happen. I think it's just a matter of good timing. Uh, so yeah, the the pressure is definitely there, but you know, it's it's healthy, it's good.
0: It's also some of it's also one of the sexier demonstrations of recent low level. Functionality we've gotten in, in Linux itself, oh, and it, it's kind of a neat way to see this. See several like you like the three core components you touch on. It's a neat way to see all three of them used yeah. in a very compelling use case. And so I think a lot of that's resonating with a lot of people. And the fact that you're sitting on top of these established technologies like namespaces and C groups, I think people feel a little more comfortable with that.
2: Yeah, I I, I think it's it's a it's just a natural fit. Um, it's it's a that's where I'm comfortable personally, that kind of that, that junction between low level systems and uh, higher level APIs uh, and platforms. And it's a very delicate, it's really, it's all about the art of, you know, finding the right balance. If you go too too low level, then you kind of lose the, the end developer. You're, mm-hmm. What's the point? I don't care about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you go to high level, then you kind of lose touch with the technical reality, and you you know you start do, doing crazy abstractions that are pointless. And It's a really hard line to to to, to follow, but I, you know I, I think it's a really cool challenge. Yeah. And the ultimate reward is when you talk to you know really hardcore systems guys and say, oh, you know I'm I'm glad you guys exist. You, you kind of showcase what's possible with with the hard work we're doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very uh, yeah, true. I,
2: I think it's pretty it's 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 pretty cool.
0: Well the la- I just have a last couple of questions. Uh one comes from the chat room, uh Bacon Flaps, which is always a great name. He wants oh, yeah. to know if you could share a little bit about your team's uh the IDE you use and the any kind of tool chain info you could share. Huh.
2: So <laughs> we're all we're first of all, it's very different from person to person. I am the least uh like uh what's the word? Like I, I'm the least sophisticated person you can find in terms of working environment. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I I I use stock Vi. <laughs> oh, the like that on, on my little DigitalOcean VM, right? And I'm happy. Awesome. Um, and I think, like, seriously, people make like my everyone on the team makes fun of me because, like, what you didn't tune this? I'm like, no. <laughs> then I'll have to remember how how to do it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I totally <laughs> and, know what you mean. So, and then uh, it's funny because the rest of the team is kind of split between super super intense, super uh, jacked up Emacs setup. Uh, and then, uh, super tunes, um, VI setup. (laughs) And I'm like there in the middle, like, you know, with my, with my shitty setup. Uh, no, no, no other IDEs really. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it is systems work. So, Mm -hmm. um, we write and, and my, my rule of thumb is, you know, for example, I don't even have C tags, um, configured. So when I, you know, when I when I want to look up uh, the definition of a function I'm I'm calling I got to remember which file to go to and go look it up manually and I also something that everyone else makes fun of me for but I like it that way that's kind of my, my canary when I when I can't keep it all in my head just by moving around in files I know it's time to refactor the, the code's too complicated oh you know that's that's my that's thing good point good point
0: all right well uh, is there anything you want else you want to touch on before uh, we let you get back to your uh, Tuesday
2: let's see um, yeah there is one I mean yeah. There's a whole list, well, there, we wrote a blog post about the 07 release, so there's Yeah, you want to go through some of that? Yeah, there's 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 a lot. So I don't want to go through all of it. Okay. So I'll, you know, I'll just encourage everyone to go look at it. And I'll
0: have uh, I'll have that linked in the show notes as well as a getting that st- your uh, getting started guide that awesome. you guys have is great and uh also a little info about this. We'll have the link to this which we're about to cover in the show notes. So go ahead. Yeah, any parts you want to go through. I I'm all for yeah. it. I love it.
2: The, the, the one thing I want to emphasize is uh the support for links uh, that's because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small incremental improvement, but it's the beginning of a really important part of the roadmap, which is um, orchestration and service discovery. And basically uh, going from one container in isolation to lots of containers working together on lots of machines and forming uh, a stack that you can manipulate as, as a cohesive entity. Interesting. And that's, so just, is this like
0: network networking ports like a turn on networking ports and open for everyone in that stack
2: yeah so so this first step it's it's very simple. it's basically uh, and, and the feature is called links, and what it what it allows you to do is basically connect container A to container B okay, so that one can discover and connect to discover the open the ports exposed by the other and connect to them in a standard way.
0: Oh, oh, that's really nice. that makes it much easier.
2: yeah, so typically you do you know docker run database and then you'll say docker run frontend dash link database. And then that, the database is linked into the, the frontend, and then the front end can now connect to the database in, in a simple, standard way. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's very simple for now. It's, it's local to one machine only for now. Um, it uses the simplest possible uh, means of discovery and its environment variables, which is both simple and easy to, to start using. And also limited, like it, it can't change dynamically uh, at, through as the as the process continues to run, right? If you want to attach a new dependency, you have to restart. So all of that we're going to fix in future versions. But the the fundamentals are there, and it's a super super important part of, of Docker's roadmap because here's the thing: contain the way people use containers is is as a group. Right, increasingly, if you got a single container, you can you can do things, but pretty quickly you're like, okay, this is great. I want more of them, and I want to wire them up together. Absolutely. Here's the risk. The risk is that, um, you know, the risk is fragmentation. (laughs) We've put a lot of effort in 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 building this runtime that is uh, standardized and works the same way everywhere.
0: That way, once I have a dozen of them, I don't have a nightmare of management on my hands, (laughs) right? Because yeah, because it could start to become it could it could start to get really wily after you have. Four, five, six, seven, a dozen, twenty of these things—it yeah. could be really nuts.
2: Yeah, and so th- in the same way that we, you know, we want ev- any container, any image you get from the index from anyone that produces uh, produce an image from using Docker anywhere, that that should run on a one hundred percent of all Docker deployments the same way, right? And now we're reaching the point where a lot of these containers, part of their functionality is to be connected to other containers. If I if I build the aw- the, the the most awesome Postgres container you can think of and I share it with you you know what you want to do with that con- database is connect to it from from another container so the how the containers can be plugged into each other needs to be standardized All, otherwise what will happen is I'll give you this that postgres container and say hey the, uh, here's my standard database container. Oh, by the way, you can only use it if you happen to use Zookeeper and 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 Mesos because that's what I use for orchestration. Or yeah. you need OpenStack Heat, or you need whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but to solve that problem, we need to just put in there just one just that the smallest possible amount of of standardization, so that every container uses the same mechanism for finding another container, and then um. On, machine by machine. You can customize how it's done. You can still use Mesos. You can still use a path, you know um, OpenStack Heat. You can still use all of those different d- uh, orchestration tools, but the container doesn't need to know. Hmm. So anyway, that's that's a really important part of it. Awesome. Uh, and there's going to be a lot more. Good I thought. can't wait to watch
0: as more comes out, uh, and I'd love to keep a line open to you guys just c- to come on in the future when uh, you get closer to 1.0 as you build towards sure. that. Because it's yeah. such an awesome project. Um, <clears throat> Thank you. And we have gotten a lot of good response from our audience, too. I think there's a lot of people out there are finding use cases for it, too. So. Oh, definitely.
2: And, and one call to action, if, if I could just add one more thing, is the, if there's one place that I recommend anyone go if you want to learn more about Docker or just interact more or ask questions or complain or anything at all, it's, it's the IRC channel. Ah. It's, just, it's the one place. Uh, you know, pound Docker on, on Freenode. There is a lot of people. It's super active. And people are very nice, and I don't know about you guys, but I, I sometimes I kind of get a bad first experience from my open source IRC channels because it can oh, be yeah. really elitist and kind of it can make you feel stupid if you're a beginner. <laughs> yeah, and I'm exactly. very—it's up there in my top three, you know, things I'm most proud of in Docker is the fact that everyone is super helpful and nice on that channel, and there's like 600 people there. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I would, I would say first thing if you have if you're interested in any way, just go there and talk and and just or hang out and see what's 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 going on. Very
0: good. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Solomon, for coming yeah. on the show today, and congrats I, on the I, new release. Thank much you. Appreciate And uh, folks can find more at docker.io. We'll also have links to all of that good stuff in the show notes. And uh, uh, I, I cannot wait to see uh, as it uh, as version.8 comes out and then nine. And I don't know. I don't think I'm going to wait dot one, Solomon. I just have to warn you. I think I'm going to be uh, putting it in production <laughs> before then. But I won't tell you. I won't stress you out.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, you, you know where to find me if you have a problem. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, okay?
2: Thanks a so lot.
3: Thanks, appreciate
0: again. it. All right, Matt. Well, that was fun, and how great was that? That uh, was I'm fantastic. I'm glad that all worked out because uh, I know they're pretty proud of that new release, and it, it sounds really great. So, Jaime mean, was great. It was fantastic. Yes, it was. You know, he mentioned uh, he mentioned something in uh, our chat with him. Uh, that I think maybe now would be a good time to uh, take a little break and uh, mention to uh, the good folks at home, and that is our sponsor this week, and that's DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting that you control. I, I'm talking you get the root account of this bad Mama jamma, and it is yours, and DigitalOcean loves Docker. So if you're not familiar with DigitalOcean, let me let me give you the background here. DigitalOcean, simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy-to-spin-up cloud servers ever. Users, users like, you know, you. Me, i do it in 45 seconds, but maybe you'll get it done in 55 seconds to spin (laughs) up a totally your own server. Uh, Pricing plans are great, too. They start around $5 per month. $5 per month gets you 512 megs of RAM, a 20-gigabyte SSD drive, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. DigitalOcean has data centers located in New York, San Francisco, and Amsterdam. In fact, I've got... uh, Last time I checked, there's two data centers in New York. And the way I've done it is, since I'm here on the West Coast... I decided I have some stuff here on the West Coast that I host out of my own house on my FIOS business connection, and then for the stuff that I need to have a little bit better performance on, or stuff I just want to help supplement me on the West Coast, I set up a DigitalOcean v- VPS in, and uh, I think there's like their New York, New York number two server. Uh, and oh, now I've got okay. it on both ends of the continent. It's or on the continent, both okay, ends of know. of the United States of America. It is it is really great for the functionality I'm using it for. In this case, it's BitTorrent Sync with some supporters and a few other. Uh, a few other functionalities I need internally to the network, I just I pay $5 a month. But what's awesome is if you're like, yeah, I think maybe there's some things I could use this for. I'm not quite sure. Well, we can get you a $10 credit. And if you get the $5 a month system like I've got, that'll get you two months for free when you use the code LINUX13. One word, LINUX. You know about LINUX. You like LINUX, right? So use that code LINUX. And then 13. Why 13? Lucky number. Actually, that's just the episode they joined us. Uh, Linux thirteen, DigitalOcean also offers a vast collection of tutorials uh, in their community section, and you can submit you can submit to that community section and get paid fifty dollars per published piece. So if they decide they want to publish what you've written, you can get a fifty dollars uh, fifty dollar bone. I think they probably give you and I don't know if they give you bones or if they give you credit, but you get fifty dollars from DigitalOcean. Uh, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. But I wanted to back up. So we were just talking about Docker, uh, with Solomon from Docker. And one of the things that's really nice, in fact, <clears throat> I'm going to go log in and, and show you this right now. Just take yeah, me definitely. a second. But so uh, one of the challenges I've had is I, I, I'll get something all set up here at the house and then and then it's, it works well enough that I don't actually ever go pu- put it public because the time it would take to... To go reset it up again is just, I'm not interested. I've already spent my time right. setting it up. It works. Like I started experimenting. The experiment was a success. And then it ends up in production, right? And it's always like, well, this is just going to be temporary. And then it never ends up being temporary. You can, and you life know, gets you. <laughs> right? So this is, what's, this is why I think Docker is going to be really brilliant. Is I could take Docker. I could set up the instance that I want to create. So maybe in my case, it's a BitTorrent Sync. Maybe it's a Zimbra server. And here I'll show you. If you're watching the video version, yeah. I go in. I, I name my host name on uh, DigitalOcean, and I'll just call this uh, Helper. That'll, Helper. Be, that'll okay. be it. And I'm going to choose the five dollar month, five twelve megs of RAM, one CPU, twenty gig SSD, one terabyte of transfer for five bucks a month. Oh, they they also have hourly rates. They have hourly rates if you just want to try something for a little bit. I'm going to choose New York two now. So uh, on the uh, select your image, I can choose Ubuntu, CentOS, Debian, Arch Linux, or Fedora. Yeah, Arch. <laughs> That's not any crazier than Fedora on a server, That's right awesome. man? I mean, come not on, Not at all. Not at all. Nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but they also have uh application images. And look at Which this. Which is
1: very very cool. Big Good time. save your time,
0: right? Yeah. Right. WordPress on Ubuntu 12.10, Docker 0.7, the version that came out today. That's crazy it, town. In, right I'm there, like I can deploy it on Ubuntu 13.10 uh, or I'm sorry, 13.04, 64-bit. Uh, and I, and I, if I just, if I hit create droplet, I now have a Docker system ready to go. And I would just use that Docker check in and check out process. I would check in my Docker instance, log in over SSH and just check it in on this machine. And I'm done. I start it and it's running. It's like, I'm, I'm all done. All that, that work so I did cool. set it up on my local machine. I just upload it. I started. It, it's brilliant. And this shows you how sophisticated DigitalOcean is to have version 0.7 today. And what's beautiful is inside that Docker container, even though this is a Ubuntu 1304 uh, image that would be running in the, in the host operating system, I could have a CentOS base in there, right? I could have, I could have an Arch base in there. I could have uh, anything inside that container. It's just so awesome because it totally normalizes the underlying operating system and DigitalOcean's down with it. And you load that on top of their super fast SSD drives and the crazy great bandwidth and the terabyte transfer you're getting for $5 per month. That's cheaper than a lunch at Jack in the Box, and you have an awesome VPS server that can just load anything you need. It's totally ready to go, and it's totally a quantified cost. I think that's awesome. So use our code Linux13 when you're checking out over DigitalOcean, and uh, you'll get two months of credit. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged.
1: Oh, definitely. And you got to love the fact that you are able to not only find yourself among the most bleeding-edge stuff possible – but it, ha- I mean, but it actually happens today. I mean, like, I mean, the fact that yeah, it's being released today and it's there. it's like,
0: What? <laughs> we thought we had the big scoop because we got the CTO on the day it comes out. Meanwhile, DigitalOcean's like, yeah, what else? We already have in production. Let's go. That's hey, Matt. Uh, this is CNN breaking news. Uh, a little breaking news here oh, yeah. in the uh, unplugged headquarters. Uh, turns out, Jack in the Box does not exist in the southeast. So my, Seriously, yeah. really? I did not know that. Yep. Oh, my apologies. God. I made, a, uh, I made a, a reference to a crappy burger joint that I still sometimes eat at. <laughs> uh, that's not even in the Southeast. So well,
1: I, I'll, I'll take <clears> it up <throat> a
0: notch. Did you know that the Waffle House doesn't exist up here? Yeah, I don't know, though, because I would tell you what. I, to, to my knowledge, anyway, no. To, well, here's why, here's why I say it's so funny you bring that up. <laughs> that's kind of weird, actually. So there's this uh, site I just heard about called CoinMap.org. Oh, okay. uh, and CoinMap.org is a Google Maps uh, overlay, I think it's Google Maps, that shows you all the places around you that accept Bitcoin. And uh, since Bitcoin is the only form of currency I now have to my name, I thought I maybe should get familiar with the places that accept it. And I kid you not, and I don't know, it's, it's ironic that you brought this up because I was seriously looking at this like two hours before the show. We hadn't talked before the show. But uh, two hours ago, I was looking on uh, CoinMap.org and, oh, this is Waffle Stop. All that buildup, and it's not Waffle House; it's Waffle Stop. But there's waffle a Waffle stop. stop in Bellingham that takes bitcoins for waffles.
1: Oh, is it really? Yeah. Well, that figures. Bellingham, Bellingham's pretty. They're pretty good at adopting new technology.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised. I'm surprised there's not a few uh, medical cannabis stores on the on this map. That seems like a match made. in No, heaven that's right on the right way there. to Anacortes.
1: <laughs> I mean, not that I know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, anyway. they get a drive through going right. Okay, yeah.
0: If you guys want to check out Coinmap.org, uh, it also uses if your browser supports location APIs, it'll. Uh, It'll be creepy and figure out where you're yeah. at. So, okay, Matt. Here's what I did: I brought in the uh, Mumble Room, our our online Linux users group, and I figured they could help us answer some of our emails. Since we're doing the show a little out of order, I wanted to get right. I wanted to get our uh, guest on and talk about that because I'm I'm a I'm a, a bit of a Docker slut, so I I felt like I needed to chat with him. Well, uh, aren't we all? <laughs> right, right. Well, <laughs> it is pretty cool. Uh, so, Eric the Great wrote in and uh sometimes I'm, i am I make jokes here on the show, and what I'm about to tell you is not a joke at all I'm one hundred percent serious uh Eric the Great wrote in a very long email and he wanted to talk about how the the problem with Linux on the desktop is that it's lacking apps ironically <laughs> Eric sent the email as an attachment in a DocX format now I gotta believe. <laughs> He's screwing with me a little bit here, right?
1: Oh, maybe, maybe. But he may may have a point to a degree. Let's hear what he has to
0: say. All right, so it's so, so, so long that I can't read all of it, but he says industry-specific apps are either not available for Linux desktops or not as mature as they are on their Windows counterparts. Number two, there's not enough software that's configured to work by de facto standards. Don't know what he means by that. There's no good desktop groupware clients for Linux that replace Outlook. Okay, arguably true, except for Zimber, desktop's pretty good. Number 4, the other thing that's a good Linux desktop needs is properly integrated features. Many times there's a piece of software that Linux just works that works well. InkFS is one of these and, and FS. Uh, unlike TrueCrypt it provides okay, anyways. Uh, and the thing to remember is the desktop should be usable offline. Oh, is Poppy in here? Oh, is Popey in here? Oh, the desktop should yeah, be usable yeah, yeah, yeah. offline. <laughs> 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 the desktop should be usable <laughs> offline for a small business when the server or internet connection goes down. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I feel so, like his, his yeah. main, his main, his main complaint was the applications he wants to buy aren't available for Linux.
1: Well, here's the meat and potatoes of it: that everybody for, fails to get is, and and Linux users do it, Windows users do it, OS 10 users do it. If it doesn't meet my requirements, then it affects the entire world around me, and it that just yeah, drives bingo. me nuts. Because, yep. It drives me nuts. It's like for myself, honestly, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of what I do is in Linux. I mean, like I literally. The only time I actually run Windows is when I need to run for business purposes, multiple video uh, conferences in Skype, and because it doesn't happen to be sporting likes. So that's literally for myself the only reason I would. So, and there's other people that have other needs. Maybe they have an AutoCAD need, or maybe they have other specific things. Yeah. But I think it's more task oriented. He to claim that the platform is flawed or not usable based on the fact that he's not finding it meeting his needs is ridiculous.
0: I so. I I agree although you can apply that same argument to the Mac um but here's uh, yeah. m- here's it, here's my take on it it's like if i'm if i'm eric the great i'm i'm good for probably the next 10 years right i'm sure. i got windows 7's got support till um until i don't know when like for a while right and then even then yeah oh wow jeez yeah, right, yeah. wow that's, that's amazing and then even then like if i really really still loved windows in 2020 i could mm-hmm. probably jump on the 8.1 bandwagon install some Crappy extra <laughs> software to give me a start menu and make it even for a few Charles. more years, right? Yeah. yeah but right. like there is a path. But even then, yep. Eric's gotta be sitting here going, Man, I'm really about to get screwed. This is this is not going in the right direction. I mean, he's gotta be sitting here thinking, What am I gonna do? Maybe I mean not immediately, right? No, but he and hasn't
1: experienced he hasn't experienced a pain point yet. For him, his pain points that he's experiencing is that he's missing specific applications that do certain things that he's used to the way he's doing it or that even it's availability. And that may be the case.
0: And I think history will look back and go, boy, look at all of the things Microsoft did to enable their own downfall, because I actually think extending windows seven support to 2020 what you're doing is you're giving time for alternative True. ways of doing things to develop. And people True. are going to come up with replacements. And I talk about this more and more now where I think like video editing on Linux is a good example of something that will never match the proprietary commercial offerings. I mean, you can now buy like, I don't actually know what the actual price is, but I think Final Cut 10 is like 99 bucks and yeah. Motion is like 99 bucks. And you could make TV grade productions from, that, from those products. can't. I- that's not going to happen on Linux, and if it does happen on Linux, it's going to be too far too late because things like Google Hangouts are going to get better and WebRTC, where it's not really taking off yet, you there is such industry support for that that there's going to be products built around WebRTC. And True. and today when we say video editing in the cloud, that sounds effing crazy. Well, by 2020, it's not going to sound that effing crazy because it's going to be so doable that there will be software packages that clowns like me that broadcast from a garage can buy that use WebRTC, and I do all right. of it through my web browser, and, and then I just download the final file to my Linux box and apply any final touches to it. And what my point here is, is this is going to completely change the way video editing is done. So it's yes. not that the existing method of video editing is going to come to linux we're just going to do video production in new ways and linux will be there when those new ways are developed and i believe it's the same for cads and all this kind of stuff it's just going to take a really long time
1: and-, and it'll all run on Docker, obviously. I mean, I think.
0: That's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm just saying it could totally
1: happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I've already seen early attempts at like uh, online video editing. Very young, very much not ready for prime time, and it's very you know Windows Movie Maker level. But the stuff does exist. It's already beginning to happen, whether people want it to or not. Yeah. Um. Visit the uh, Google Chrome extension store sometime. I don't think you'd be surprised. There's a lot of stuff there.
4: Not Jupiter broadcast, you know? Uh,
1: no,
5: up. no, not not. All there. right. So oh, uh,
0: Craig okay. writes okay. in.
5: Well, <laughs> well, the, go ahead. well wait, wait, on, that's that's the thing. We've, um, today, like, connectivity is extremely simple. We've got LTE, we've got 3G. Yeah. Um, so it's not hard to be wireless and connected now. The whole Microsoft ad as well is just stupid. It's like, oh, yeah, if you're not connected to the Internet, you can't use it. That's not entirely true. But yeah. when are you not connected to the Internet? I mean, I'm always connected to the Internet now. Like, anywhere I go, even if I go into, like, the woods, where, like, it's all... Blair witchy, and Well, and staring. I guess maybe the better <laughs> question is <laughs> what are you
6: doing in the woods? Whoa. whoa.
4: <laughs> yeah, 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 whoa.
0: Grammar With camera. your laptop, Obviously.
4: too. Yeah. <laughs> I, a I would question, challenge, actually. Other I would I would challenge him, to... him to run a Linux distro for a month and find those alternatives because it doesn't sound to me like he's done his research. No, I'm gonna wager
1: that this is someone who has. Uh, it's what I call a drive-by review. Well, basically, they mm. they stuck their toes. Well, in it. Well, come on.
0: Know. I mean, I don't know. Like, if I if I if I did if I went to if I went to work every day and needed After Effects, I mean, that's just it comes down to. No, you that, After and that's Effects.
1: fair. But I think he was happy where he was at. Someone probably
0: recommended he check yeah, it out. He, yes. ha- he half-assed <laughs> it.
1: He tried it, and it's kind of like. eh. Not really for me. I'm happy where I'm at. We gave this honest opinion. We got a
0: lot of emails uh, from people who say that uh, converting to Linux is like uh, you got to understand it's it's not just an alternative software selection. It is an alternative way to use your computer. It is oh yeah for, god
1: me using OS 10 is like newbies trying to use Linux I understand the frustration of stuff believe me I, I scream at Mac all the time I can't I can't deal with it so I understand right. the, like that you know switching platforms frustration I totally get that but then again when I'm yelling at the Mac it's because I'm half assing
4: no,
1: no. it I'm not trying I'm like Ugh, this is hard and I, I give up and I go back to Linux it's fine Well,
0: the thing about the mac and this is this is this is sort of the the truth about the Mac there's two ways to do things uh, there's Apple's way that they let you do it and then there's no way to do it. And if you're okay with the Apple way, then the Mac will work for you. And if you yeah. ever kind of want to go outside that box, that's where it starts to become a frustrating experience. But
1: I'm a special kind of idiot. And you know, when it comes to using an OS X, I can. Can I do it? Yeah, I can do it. Do I find it to be the most ass backwards way of doing pretty much everything? Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> I, I just I can't deal with it the way they the way they lay things out. It's always frustrated me. I've always gotten grief on it. Well, an idiot can use a Mac? Well, then I'm a special kind of idiot. I don't know. That's
3: okay. You know what happened was like, <laughs> you know, like, he just can
1: use, use it more two or two
3: different. Well, you Mac is also genius because when you make when you move files and drag and drop files, it doesn't it doesn't make a copy for you, it makes a shortcut, which you, everybody wants.
1: They lost <laughs> me when I started ejecting stuff by dragging it to a trash can. I'm done at that point. It's like, you know what?
3: Hey. He he used Ubuntu and then thought it was Amazon ads. He's like, what? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> all just, right, know, there's,
4: all right. there's that controversy. So but that's this is cool. a jab. <laughs>
0: Craig writes and he says, "Hey Chris and Matt, I love Linux Unplugged and I haven't missed an episode yet. Converting to Linux even for a veteran admin is something no one really wants to do. There are just too many distros to choose from. Going through the late '90s, like you said on episode 15, is hardly uh, is hardly heard of. Uh, uh, I'm losing him here about this. Uh, let me read ahead a little bit. Upon switching, I had no issue at all." Uh, as I became more and more interested in computers and learning what the command line was. However, my situation was as almost perfect situation as it could ever be for a Linux convert. My girlfriend can log into Ubuntu 13.04 and open up a new tab to research something for college. My mother calls me with her wireless mouse, battery's dead, and proceeds to tell me she needs a new computer, and that's essentially all I have to worry about. But he brings up the point that, this is, that it's just a big hassle to switch over, and and it's not even a matter of being better. It's a matter of uh being a, of a familiarity right it's a matter yeah. of well oh, that comfort. i agree with yeah. yeah and and i go back to i go back to i look at this and i think uh uh he thinks that uh you know as you as you make the switch over it's just kind of all going to be based on what your motivations are um he True. says uh, yeah uh, he said if – if, if, if he, well, this is one part I thought was interesting. He said if each distro came together and focused on the major issues like video drivers, auto, audio drivers, audio, video editing, software, gaming, then Linux would be a thousandfold better than Windows or Mac uh, hands down. And I – you know well,
1: – and see, there's another one of those statements. It's like, OK, the video drivers and audio drivers, again, based on someone's personal experience where they're running a machine, which clearly is giving them some grief with it. I have no problems. But I run I run computers that, fortunately, are compatible with what I'm using. So, you know, is it truly a, a widespread problem? Honestly, you really want to get the brass tacks. I'd say Windows has more uh, retroactive uh, compatibility issues with driver support than Linux ever will. Doo-doo. So, you know, so, yeah, it's Doo-doo. kind of like, it's all perspective, I suppose. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, there are people out there that will find that, you know, they get a black screen when they boot from a live Hey, wait a minute.
0: Did you install the driver's... First, or did you connect the USB device first? Because if you connect to the USB device before you install the drivers, it's not going to work. Sorry,
1: and it's really important when you have a Palm Pilot to not install the drivers and plug that in first, because that always works really well. I remember those days well. <laughs> God, it used to frustrate you
6: know, the hell out of me. Yeah. My, my wife has a MacBook Pro, and sometimes oh, yeah. it'll sit on her de- on her lap, and she'll shut the lid right. and go to put it underneath the sofa, and I'll see the light still on. Oh, yeah, and I'll but- say, "Hang on a minute, mm. that's that's not right." <laughs> <laughs> and my, my game OS uh, desktop, Windows 7. Doesn't mm. suspend. It flat out won't suspend. I've tried to it and it just it just doesn't. Right. And yeah. I've gone through all the knowledge base articles and I cannot make it work. And no matter how many drivers or firmware or BIOS updates I put on it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So anyone who yeah. tells yeah. me that, that Windows and uh, OS ten outclass right. Linux on yeah. the driver department is talking out of their ass. Yeah, I've got oh, absolutely.
0: I've got yeah. one Windows machine left in the house. I booted into it uh, two weeks ago for Coda Radio, and after I was done with that episode of Coda Radio, I went to shut it down. And it would only go back to the login screen. If I restart or shut oh, down, it would only go back to. The so only thing I could do is log out and then just hold the power button down. It didn't matter what I clicked. Well, and it's just yeah. like, what? Really? This is
1: this is ridiculous. Well, and one last one. My wife's Mac, her Mac specifically, it never fails. I put I, we go ahead and we put it in suspend as soon as we're ready to go to bed. It comes to life <laughs> all by itself. Every hey, are you sleeping? Time. Are you and it's sleeping? Always Facebook that kicks it on. It's like <laughs> what, what the Mac. hell,
6: you know. It misses you, man. It misses you. <laughs> oh clearly. Yeah, it's
1: it's beckoning me. Have you checked the iTunes that. Store? Come log I into got, iTunes. <laughs> I got a very special crowbar with its name on it. I'll tell you, man. Oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, uh, so Bob wrote in This is just a quick one, he says Great show, my experience with mom and dad users is That they not only need to use a web browser But also an office suite I know many of these users who struggle with Windows 8 So I moved a few of these people to Ubuntu 1204 Where they're all able to get by Without any tinkering with the default install These Boo. users were unable to learn Windows 8 <laughs> at all So oh, I yeah. disagree with some of the statements On Linux Unplugged that new users need to tinker more With Linux, I think the intermediate users Probably do but certainly not new users. Ubuntu and Mac are only two OSs that I found new users can just pick up with no help.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it defi- depends on how you define new user. Uh, my favorite new user is someone that has zero experience with a computer because they have no perceived con- uh, misconceptions. And fewer awesome. and
0: fewer of those people now, though. Yeah, they're still are. out there, but it's well, less unless you than live less. out where I live, out in the backwoods. Right, but, yeah. Nope. You go out in the country, or you know, you go up into the older <laughs> demographics, and you can find them still. But I
1: mean, we still have people chasing cows around with USB cords. It's scary,
0: but
4: yeah. It, <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Windows 8 really is. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I've probably overshared this story, but I'll just share it again in case <laughs> I haven't told it on this show. <clears throat> uh, when Windows 8 came out, actually, when it was when it was a. Uh, uh, Like, I guess it was done with RC or whatever, where you could download a a trial for a limited time. Uh, You didn't have to buy it. And uh, so I had a client that uh, had five computers. So they had this room where they had QA people because they ran a website where they posted things that had to be QA'd all the time because they came from outside sources. So they had a team of about a dozen QA people. And they had about five computers that were not being used because they would only kick them into gear during the heavy season and then during the slow time they would uh, it was temp staff and they wouldn't those computers wouldn't be in use right. so I took those five computers and uh, per the client's request loaded the eight one demo or trial on it and uh, which you could ex- re-extend a couple of times and I did have to extend it one time so we put these five users of various effic- uh, proficiency one that I would say is, he's definitely not a technical user, but he knows Windows 7 so well that he showed me a couple of things. And, oh, I, yeah. wow. I, and I know Windows pretty well. I've, you know, used sure. supported it for years. And so he's, he's definitely sophisticated. I mean, he'd never know anything about, like, Event Viewer or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But he probably knows about Device Manager, and he can definitely mm-hmm. install printers and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> then I had a user who, you know, is pretty much still struggling with the fact that the mouse has two buttons, and one of them does something different than the other button. So good range, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, definitely. None of them, none of them could figure out how to shut down the Windows 8 computer. Oh, it's confusing. None yeah. of them could. Because the thing is, is they won't, they won't just go poking in the corners. They won't just go down there if there's no visual indications for them. And none of them even paid attention to the tutorial, even though I played the t- tutorial for all of them that comes with Windows 8. They didn't, they didn't help at all. And the other thing that was constantly confusing for them was the, the thing they were QAing, they had to QA a version of it in IE and a version of it in Firefox and a version of it in Chrome. Well, because oh, wow. the IE one uses ActiveX, only the problem was the Metro version of IE doesn't use ActiveX. So, and, and they kept getting confused between, wait, am I in IE on the desktop? Um, am I in IE in Metro? And why is the address bar on the bottom in this UI? And why is the address bar on the top in this UI? And totally disconnected from it. And these same people, these same users for a, for a short period of time were on an XFCE desktop and had none of these problems.
5: Chris, because, recent, it, it, because first thing. of all,
1: who the hell uses hot corners? I mean, that's the problem. So, <laughs>
5: yeah, uh, Chris Lee, uh, my friend was looking up looking to update his laptop, so we went online. We found the model. We ended up with a HP smart I believe, and mm-hmm. it came with Windows 8. Um, he's not overly familiar with Windows because when he was first getting into computers, I actually convinced him to actually use Ubuntu, so he's always been an Ubuntu user he used it for a week and he said there was so many weird things like because there was a touch screen, he said it would type stuff and then Metro <laughs> would just pop up for no reason at all and he said oh, it was wow. just and like, yeah, and he's just like, he got so frustrated and like a stupid things like when he's trying to do like the HDMI out, yeah. um, he didn't quite understand you've got to slide the bar over and then you've got to like the mirror it. but like it's not just mirror, you got like options for like screen resolutions, but the screen resolutions was wrong for the TV and it killed like the, the screen on the monitor as well as the TV. Oh. Like, like, he had so many hassles. He said, look, he said, I don't care anymore. He said, just come over, put that operating system on that I've been used to because I absolutely hate Windows 8. I explained to him that like, you know, I'm not going to be able to draw boot properly because it's got UFIE problems. Right. I said, I can do the thing where you do like escape. He said, no, I do not want Windows 8 at all. He said, I absolutely hate it. He said, I don't want it. So, you know, people, and he's not very computer literate. He's pretty useless on the computer, but he can work his way around it perfectly fine. I think it's what you get used to using.
3: I realized something when Chris said earlier that people didn't know how to do the shutdown. And I have messed with uh, Windows 8 and 8.1, and I've helped people like walk them through things. And when you said that, I realized that I have never shut it down on Windows 8, so I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's.
1: Uh, I, I've worked with eight, and it's definitely. Uh, it, but first, you got to do the hokey pokey, and then you shake it all about. Yeah, twirl around in a couple <laughs> circles, and then finally, it will appear. It's the weirdest thing, but yeah. It, yeah it's yeah.
5: about it's about three different options. It's pretty dug yeah. into like uh, yeah. yeah yeah.
3: The funny thing about Windows 8.1 is that they brought back the Start button, but not the menu. I know, yeah. So, in people who have a Start menu like a third party installed. That it, there the buttons are in the same place on top of each other, so it's like a fifty fifty <laughs> chance which one you click.
0: <laughs> what a train wreck! What a train wreck! Windows is
1: becoming uh, yeah. It's so wow. Oh, um, it amuses me. I'm I'm fine with. it. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I used to do PC repair, and Windows is what drove me to Linux. I mean, like actually repairing <laughs> other people's stupidity is just that's literally what drove me to it. You know,
0: I've got uh, I've got two two more emails, and then the grand question I want to ask you and okay. the and the uh, mumble room. Uh, uh, but first we should, we should thank our second sponsor this week. Yeah. So, uh, everybody knows about Ting now, right? Everybody knows about Ting cause Ting is sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Now Ting is mobile that makes sense. And I want you to go over to linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com will get you $25 off your first device or $25 off your first month of service if you already have a Sprint compatible device. Now... Oh, guess what? My Nexus oh. 5 shipped today. My Nexus oh. 5. I'm supposed to. No fr- freaking UPS is I'm going to get it tomorrow. I don't know if that's I'm possible. so
5: jealous. I am Are you going so to be excited. The
0: poor man as he Oh up? well, up? I'm going to give him a handy. Are you kidding? I'm. I, he's. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: oh really? Hell.
0: whatever <laughs> it takes. Oh, yeah. I'm excited <laughs> to get my Nexus Five. And here's why I think this is a better time than ever to sign up for Ting. First of all, if you have the internet phone with the iOS uh, 4 or 4s iPhone 4 or 4s now compatible with the Ting network, you go over to the BYOD page, which you can find over at linux.ting.com, and they'll give you all the info you need. If you got a Sprint compatible iPhone, if you got the Nexus Five. This is what is so awesome about Ting is they've been very transparent about the entire process because, uh, first of all, they're a CDMA network, which is a huge boon here in the U.S. because that gets the signal through areas that GSM just doesn't generally penetrate as well. Uh, And and so one of the things that a CDMA carrier has, has had to deal with for sort of the first time is a phone that requires a SIM card because that's generally something that's only on the GSM networks. And it's been really awesome and encouraging to watch the Ting folks very publicly in their forums and in their blogs work with their community, work with the experts. It's so awesome to see a cell phone company recognize that people in their audience know a lot about these Android devices and are very savvy and very capable of helping them have a better service. That's huge for me as a Ting user. And to see them work to get the Nexus 5 with their community has been awesome, and it's it's what gave me the final push to make my Nexus 5 purchase. I cannot wait to combine the power of purchasing directly from Google on Google Play An unlocked Google Experience Nexus 5 phone and then bring it over to Ting, which is no contracts, no early termination fees, and you only pay for what you use. That is such an awesome combination. And I want you to go over to linux.ting.com to get started. And by the way, if you're in a contract now and you've been thinking about switching... Ting is going to give you some early termination relief. You can get more information at ting.com slash ETF. They're going to give you about up to $75, I believe it is, per line that you have to get canceled. All you got to do is grab your Ting device, port your number, then submit your ETF claim, and Ting will help you get out of that contract. And then you're only paying for what you use. They include hotspot. They can include tethering. Their customer support is amazing. You can call them at 1-855-846-4389 anytime between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. and just Talk to them about the Nexus Five. <laughs> they'll just talk to you about the Nexus Five. Like that's you got awesome. questions and how that's going to work. How's picture messaging? All that kind of stuff. You just talk to them. They'll give you. They'll help you out. They've also got help.ting.com, which gives you lots of resources. You can find out more information. Do discovery and exploring on your own. So go over to linux.ting.com to get started. You're gonna love Ting. It's makes sense. It's no BS. No hidden fees. You only pay for what you use. Six dollars per line, and you can share it pooled minutes. It's really awesome. So I want you to go try it, linux.ting.com, and go get started now because the sooner you switch, the more money you'll save in the long term.
1: Gotta love those guys. They keep my bills stupid cheap. It's great. I know. It really is awesome.
0: I kind of feel like I'm cheating a little bit. Like, I don't
1: know. Like, well, like, that could be interpreted depending on what you have in mind for the UPS guy. I don't know <laughs> what, what you're mentioning there. It's like, I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> All
0: right, so Carl wrote in. He said, dear Linux, please keep on breaking. What? He says, my typical day is I fire up Windows when I'm at work because there's no efficient way to get around the fact that they have like a dozen proprietary Windows-only apps they require me Ah. to run. And since I already have Windows set up for work, I also get caught in playing Steam games on Windows because, well, F, if I got the (laughs) Windows installation, why not? He says, however, as soon as the clock strikes five and the workday is over, I hit the switch on my desktop and boot into Linux. The best way I can describe that moment is coming home from a hard day's work and throwing off a stiff suit. But for putting on your sweatpants and cracking up a cold one, (laughs) heading out to the garage to restore that car or something like that, Linux will always fight me, which is to be expected since I have a multi-headed setup with three monitors of different sizes and resolutions. And I'm also sending my sound over HDMI to the one of the monitors connected to my Nvidia card. In other words, I'm begging for trouble with broken X, but that's fine. That's part of why I love it. Because when stuff (laughs) breaks and has to be fixed, that's when you learn how it works why it broke, and how you can configure it better than before. Hell, half the time I'm almost hoped for something to behave unexpectedly, so I'll have a reason to sit down and have a puzzle to solve. Uh, he says, <laughs> walking out walking out, knowing a lot more than I did before, and I think it's one of the hidden charms that keeps a lot of people away from the platform. Oh, okay. He says, and that allowed me to move quite quickly from hand-holding Ubuntu installation to running two servers, a laptop, and a desktop under Arch I had everything just working I might have gotten bored and jumped back full time to Windows But now with the challenge I press on He says uh, most, people can, most people can live with Linux Tinkers can hardly imagine living without it Also all this time spent on Linux Has taught me a few still valid tricks On how, on how punching my Mac In the face through the terminal When it's <laughs> ill behaved <laughs> Nice Which is also a reward uh, to itself He says keep up the good work once again Thanks for the great show Carl Time. I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think one of the things that keeps me on Linux is the tinkering factor.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, well, see, for me, I think it's different. It's the consistent behavior. And, you know, like I said, what drove me to it initially was the fact that I, I was watching. I don't want to say de-evolution of humanity, but it felt like it is some days, to where people were not only being dumbed down using these other operating systems, but quite honestly, it was like they, they it was more operating system than they needed. That Linux could, in <laughs> fact, yeah. fill these needs. And I, a lot of people, when I actually retired from it, I switched them over to Linux, and then occasionally provide some remote support, and it works out really well. I don't have the problems I used to have with it. So you know, yeah. different strokes, different folks.
0: So. Uh, in fact, yep. to put it all in perspective, uh, Terrence wrote in, and he said, and the and the headline right. was. Oh, Matt,
5: go ahead. I, I, yeah, Matt. I completely yeah. agree, really with that. If if you're going to install Linux onto someone's uh, laptop or computer, mm-hmm. definitely install TeamViewer. So when you do that, oh, yeah. up, yeah. so you could just it takes two seconds. TeamViewer mm-hmm. in, click, 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 done, and you sort their exactly. PC out. Yep, yep. Or SplashTop. Yes, yeah, SplashTop
3: remote remote access, regardless of what system they're running. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, totally. That mm-hmm. that was a real game changer for a lot of folks, for
1: mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, all of that's going to get real crappy. By the way, I I, I believe oh, yeah? I believe Wayland and Mir both proposed to make that those remote viewers much more challenging. Well, that's
1: important. Yeah, because <laughs> 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 you <laughs> know I mean we have something we can really be proud of. but Let's break it. It's like, Good, Good news, everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, right. It's like that's okay, Doctor Nick. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah,
3: they don't we'll have to I go, mean, go team... back into the virtual machine remoting. And... Yeah. yeah,
5: you know I yeah. help people on bohemian and stuff on TeamViewer. TeamViewer is like a must if you're trying to wean someone off like right. Windows or Mac. Yeah. It really
0: is, yeah. You got to have that handholding experience. Uh, I have not used TeamViewer as much because I don't like the uh, isn't isn't the client on Linux a Wine app? Uh, yes. It, it yeah. is a yeah. Wine.
1: It's a, it's a self-contained content. bottle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And see, with with SplashTop, they actually have a native Linux app, and I just I use that to get into my mom's machine, and it's click click. You know, it's so yeah. fast. I, I like that. So, but.
6: so in terms of um for. for you mentioned MIR and remote desktoping. Um, that won't be a problem for a while because the next LTS release of Ubuntu is going to still have X. So for right. the next five oh. years after 2014, it's it's not a
5: problem.
0: Right, Hello, yeah, Everest. true. It, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess that's the silver lining. <laughs> good enough for me. <laughs> good enough. <job. laughs> uh, Wayland, however, uh, proposes to introduce that problem. Uh, they are working on... Yeah, like a-
6: those guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Wailing you... at Wailing today. Actually, yeah. I think
0: the Whaling guys are working with somebody from the one of the VNC groups to to figure something out, but uh, it is it is good times. Um, <laughs> but I think all of this, I think we all need a little perspective right now. So Terrence writes in. He says, back in my day, insert old man's voice, <laughs> back in my day, when I installed Linux, there was a distro <laughs> called Slackware, and it well, was an unholy beast in its infancy during the late 90s. One of my beloved 386XS's, It took 10 hours to compile the Linux kernel, and one misstep would ruin your install. Consider yourselves lucky whiny Nancy boys that you even have a window manager or a graphical settings manager. There's no Google back then. All I had was a 500-page Slackware book that came with way too many floppy disks. For the installation installing Linux uh, go you want it Nancy boy that, that won me over. <laughs> installing <laughs> Linux back in those days was a blast because it was an adventure with numerous pitfalls. You mm-hmm. use Linux with pride because it was your baby made with your sweat and tears. Linux is far from perfect, but I feel sorry for people who are locked up in Apple and Microsoft's jails. They are narrowing their dimensions of your cells every day, and eventually all that will be left with their services that they'll sell. <laughs> At a premium. Linux is the wild, wild west of operating systems. And may God bless Linus. Wait. Linus is our God. <coughs> Terrence.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really
0: feel.
3: No, <laughs> oh, wow. Praise Terrence. Linus.com. Yeah. Oh,
1: German
5: waiting.
0: Thank you. Well, I felt like Terrence uh, I felt like I I was I was connecting with him there. Uh, so I had one we kind of kept, we're getting a little tight on time, but um, one of the things that we've been looking forward to on the Linux Action Show is uh, getting our hands on that new Leopard Extreme from System seventy six. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Well, so we just got word from System seventy six; it's better than that. Oh yeah. We're also going to get the new Kudu, right? That's what it's called, the yep. Kudu, Kudu. And we're going to get their UltraBook with a brand new keyboard arrangement that they've just set up for it, based on uh, viewer uh, viewer <laughs> based on their uh, purchaser feedback. So I thought I'd ask you guys, like, as we get ready to review these, what uh, and I'm going to start with Matt to give the mumble room yeah. time to think Matt, what for you, what are like, like if you're going to, if you were going to buy a computer, what are right. some of the key things you need in like a Linux workstation?
1: Well, and I think we already know that obviously compatibility is already set with Ubuntu, So that's a no brainer. That's done. But yeah. I think a, a keyboard's a big, really big thing for me. Keyboard and the actual touchpad placement itself, how that feels, do those keys feel responsive? You know, are they, are they working
0: for me? Cause so I'm more So if you were in really the market crazy. right now, would you buy yeah. a desktop or a laptop?
1: Ooh, uh, based on current needs, laptop in a stone cold oh, okay. second. Okay, yeah. okay. But 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 based on like if I needed like both, I would probably say desktop first. So okay. because I'm kind of weird like that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, based on current needs, totally laptop. And I'm really, really specifically weird when it comes to keyboards and laptops. And System 76 has been really good overall. I've only had one keyboard I wasn't real in love with, but most of them are really awesome. So
5: all right, yeah, So Just mo- yeah. just, a, just a couple things for me. I would love. Because you don't really see it on a laptop keyboard. Mm-hmm. You have a keyboard with backlight. I can see the keys and the Yeah,
0: side. yeah, right. I understand that. You uh, guys are all really and, focused on laptops. Yeah,
5: and, uh, and like I I not just <laughs> screen resolution. Screen resolution or laptops <laughs> yeah. suck. They still suck. Many of them not even 1080p.
0: Yeah, yeah. The high resolution on the laptop is important. Sure. I what?
5: mean, I got a tablet and a phone higher screen resolution, and most tablets, on the mar- not to most laptops on the market, it's ridiculous how low screen. Screen resolution, laptops
0: are. Well, so what about on the desktop though? It's like, what do you look into for a desktop? Like for the ultimate desktop, quiet. Yeah, that's quiet what, I quiet yeah. Is quiet. Quiet is what I was thinking too. Quiet, yeah. quiet,
5: quiet, and power,
1: and also being not having to wonder, okay, how much? of What am I maxing out now, or do I have enough resources to do this? So or, expandability. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, power and expandability and quiet. Yeah. Those are yeah. really Case quality. While well. while I want
6: the yeah. quietest yeah. computer, I want the loudest clacky keyboard to
5: show
1: that I'm actually working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, I know what you mean. Old IBM style. <laughs> yeah,
5: they the cherry switches. There's a few people who mumble with very loud keyboards, so I gonna
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Al, well, on on TechSnap, I often joke that Alan's keyboard is the third host because he's got one yeah. of those uh, Razor uh, with <laughs> the clackies. Yeah, so this awesome. is what I'm thinking for a desktop's quiet expandability, case quality. On it sounds like on a laptop we got keyboard, backlight. It's funny because so far nobody said battery life or uh, wireless.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, the battery life, yeah, that would be that would be helpful.
2: In any case, what do you operate assist, I to want, be honest? I always want an SSD, no matter what. Yeah. Desktop or laptop. Yeah. No yeah. no way I'll ever go to a hard drive. Yeah.
6: No.
0: SSD is kinda getting just the only way to go now.
6: Can I get the only feature on a laptop that is a is a go-no-go no go for me is if the keyboard doesn't have a touch point on it, I don't want it. Like the little, it. the little nipple? Yep. If it hasn't got one, I don't want it. Really? Yeah, I've spoken to the to the, the System76 guys about it, and I was yeah. like, dude, I, last time I bought a laptop, <laughs> right. I bought a ThinkPad, and if you had a nipple on your right. laptop, I would totally have bought it. I feel
5: like the, oh, multi-touch I touchpad yeah. as well, so they're scrolling. Multi-touch oh, okay. touchpad, so are scrolling. Okay, yeah. I'm the opposite. Also. I hate those nipple things. I think yeah. it, it, it hurts
4: my finger. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, with all well,
6: due respect, you're wrong.
4: For <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, me,
1: I feel like I should be buying at dinner first or something. It just feels, it just feels weird. It just feels incomple- incredibly intimate and uh, awkward. I don't know.
3: Yeah, Popey's uh, all about his nipples. Oh, yeah. It's how you caress it, whether it's good or not.
6: I'm Scaramanga.
3: I have three. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> or Chandler. So back to the touchpad, I'd say like the uh, clickable buttons. I cannot stand touchpads without clickable buttons.
0: Right, actual right. clicks, not...
2: that's
0: how my Asus is, and that's You need that tactile, yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, the trackpad, I I feel like right now, um, which is funny because it doesn't match, match what you're saying, but even though I completely agree with you, I feel like the only people who have the one button trackpad really great is Apple. Because um, even yeah. on my Bonobo, I I totally can use it. In fact, I appreciate that it has two finger touch scrolling, like because that is a very natural kind of way to like scroll a web page and stuff. But generally, like if I'm going to sit down, like when I'm doing last, and it's mm-hmm. partially where how I sit too. But I still prefer to go to a physical mouse, and so that's why I'm I like is the trackpad or the nipple? Is it really that big of a deal? Is it a I make think, it yeah, or break? It's it? kind of
5: like the touchpad did... that you can do like a zoom in for like a Google Earth, and you know we can mm-hmm. do... see. So the multi-touch on the touchpad. Or the nice, thing, the nice thing like. about
6: the. Go ahead, Poppy. sorry. Go ahead. Poppy. The <laughs> nice thing about the nipple is with the middle <laughs> with the middle mouse button, you can hold your like if you imagine holding your index finger on the nipple and your thumb on okay. the. Don't steady. Uh, and your thumb <laughs> on the middle the middle mouse button. You can use that for scrolling. So I, you know, basically when I'm laying on the sofa and I've got my laptop, I, I'm making such minimal movement. I look like I'm dead. So your thumb but, is on a trackpad you know, still? So your thumb is scrolling on the trackpad? No, the middle mouse button. It's got three mouse buttons below the space bar. Oh, right, 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 right.
1: Okay, so for you it's pad. about effective behavior. It's about an effective experience. Totally. Yeah. Okay.
3: yeah, okay. Okay, okay.
6: Hmm.
4: I have my...
3: The only thing I well, I want on a laptop is the uh, the button to turn off the trackpad.
4: Right. Oh yeah, yeah, I got
1: that. Yeah, I've not, I just key. install an app for it. I forget what the hell it is, but yeah,
0: yeah, I, I have. Uh, it's funny. I have a button on my Bonobo. Uh, if I hold down function F one, it turns off the trackpad. And if I hold yeah. down function one. Function 1 turns all the fans on at full blast, which is funny because oh, really? the Bonobo oh, really? is, is quite well ventilated. <laughs> oh. It has two big fans in the bottom of it, and then it has these big uh, vent outtakes in the back. So it, I've never actually heard it kick up to full fan speed until the yeah. day I accidentally pressed Function 1. And just <laughs> I was like, whoa, this thing's really it's like it's going to take off. It's like off. Airwolf in your lap right. or something. But like. now, now that I know, it's like every now and then I'm like, yeah, I'm about to do something that's a lot of work. Maybe I'll just kick the fans up for a second. Yeah. And then I just smack it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Rev the engine, Matt. Yeah, well, and there's also those same, apps you can install
1: that it. will actually uh, keep it when you're typing you're on your keyboard and your mouse, you know, your yeah. touchpad's being bumped into. You need to be able to disable yeah. that, too. Also, so, sorry. Um, I didn't mean
2: to go yeah.
3: Going back to the laptop, uh, make sure it has enough ports, too, because a lot of times you want oh, to like, yeah. one or two USB ports. You know, oh, always, yeah. Okay. Let's talk it about it. Let's yeah. talk That's about for one, both actually. workstations
0: yeah. and laptops. So, let's first uh-huh. do laptops. I'm writing all this down for our, our review. So, okay, on laptops... Uh, connectivity. So we're talking USB is a must now. USB now. Remember, we're getting less and less ports these days, so we got to keep it realistic. Uh, uh, HDMI out is that a must? No, not
1: for me.
0: Whoa, yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I'll I'll exchange it for USB any day of the week. I want USB ports, just like I want it to look
0: like a UFO. So maybe we'll
1: just
5: (laughs) (laughs) split the difference and say we
0: have to have good video out. Yeah,
5: so video out uh, because it's really handy if you've got like HD TV, you've got Netflix or. Well, because it works on Linux now. You can just shut up your laptop, put it underneath your TV, okay. connect a wireless keyboard and mouse, and then you can just sort of like surf on your laptop and use it. It's sort of like a home to oh, yeah. PC. Yeah, dovetail
4: on that. Yeah. Dovetail on that. You know, but if if it's got Bluetooth built in, that's amazing. That would because be nice. I just yeah. flip on a Bluetooth yeah. mouse yeah. Yeah. and go.
0: Firewire at mm-hmm. hundred. Uh, the bacon flaps is mentioning none of us. Nobody said anything about price yet. I guess that's that's a scaling kind of requirement. That, that's a
1: scaling thing. It depends yeah. on what you value. See, but honestly, I want I want this thing to look like a hub. I want USB ports all the way around it. I mean, don't, I, I, I want, <laughs> see, I, want you know, I want danglers the, dangling. And I mean, yeah, I'll give up uh, HDMI any day. because no, what I I, I,
5: want to No, sorry. What would you use the USBs for? Because if I know
1: I never know. Webcam, I huh? never need them until I'm missing them.
5: It's <laughs> weird. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing. See, that's
4: I yeah. the same situation because my <laughs> laptop only has two usb yeah. ports Mine how one am I am filled no. with a bluetooth mm-hmm. uh, i've just bought a, just bought a seven
6: port seven port usb3 hub yeah. from amazon that's arriving tomorrow because my laptop only has one usb3 port and i want more,
1: more. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well i have like an old uh, 2008 era system 76 laptop here and it's got four which is good um but i would be perfectly happy with like 12 Eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be How good. A <laughs> be what,
5: what's people's views on a DVD drive? I'm not nope. really that big nope. anymore. I don't. Anymore. Optical is you know.
0: dead. All right, yeah. op- legacy, legacy media. Optical yeah. is dead. All right, so I, can I go with that. It
4: around. I, I it mean, keep it around. That's just because I, I burn DVDs for people. Well, that's like, why you need
0: that USB port.
4: Yeah, and yeah, I do, yeah. and I have external uh, re- uh, whatnot right. for that. That's so. what I do
0: now too. And that's true. Although. Um, so uh, you know when I when I spec the bonobo I went the direction of getting a, a drive a disk drive mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now looking back on it I do wish I had gone with like a third disk in that spot because like oh, with, totally. the, with the Kudu machine they're setting us you can actually do and S- they have two slots for SSD for drives. And yeah. then they have, you can swap out the optical bay for a drive if you want to. So you can do three SSDs in a Which laptop. Which awesome. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, like, you could, you could dedicate an entirely separate OS to one of those drives if you wanted to. You could do anything. So, yeah, I agree. Optical is probably dead. And I'm going to, all right. So that's a good list right there, you guys. Thank you. So that'll be, just kind of wanted to get some
2: updated requirements yeah. from
5: folks. I, so one more thing I was going to get 3D, the- passive 3D, but that's a little bit different for laptops.
2: There is one. There's, mm. you know, your microphone and mm. headphone port. Yeah. They're merged together mm-hmm. nowadays on the more recent Yeah, models. they are.
5: You're right. Yeah. Mm. Audio jacks,
0: yeah.
4: So yeah. they have and to
2: determine whether or not they want the two separate jacks or one which is combined together.
4: Right. The one that's or, combined together, you can get an adapter for pretty cheaply on Amazon, so that's oh, yeah. really not too much of a factor. Yeah. Well,
2: some people have these very specific mics, Simply, just how they don't ever want to change programs. Sometimes ah. they have this special microphone that they want to plug in, which is not, you know, like what they're used to. Very true. Very true. True, true, true. true. All right. Anything also else for me? Yeah, make sure like also like no weird proprietary connectors, but like, Ethernet adapters. Right, right. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. right. Oh yeah. These gotta have like, Ethernet. I'm gonna
0: write that down. You gotta have Ethernet. serial
6: port. I really
2: like <laughs> it. absolutely. Hi, this a
4: satellite system this for is,
3: a few years. This is totally what? serious. I would love to have multiple eSATA USB combos.
0: Yeah,
2: oh,
3: yeah. Ooh, yeah, It's yeah. that's a nice
0: to have for sure. I I love having he sat on the Bonobo.
5: Oh, see um just curious. You know, like the old laptops used to have these uh, PCIe sort of slots. Do anyone use them anymore?
0: No. PCMCIA. Just for the, oh,
5: just, yeah. no. just,
0: just for like, I, uh, what, for the uh, wireless.
5: I'm staring well, at seen, an old Orinoco wireless oh, e card, S- so right
2: S- now. SSD drives on there.
5: I've seen yeah. some hacks where people set out NVIDIA like Nvidia-like graphics cards using the PCIe right. socket on a laptop. Oh, that'd be kind of wild.
0: Yeah. Oh, Q five sis in the chat room. Votes for parallel port. All right. Well, yeah, will make the. One. Now, I don't think we're going to have these in time for next last. I think they're going to. I think they're arriving Monday or so. Uh, so we'll probably yeah, have them in the following last. But I'm looking forward to it. So I think what we're probably going to do is we'll 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 go after the laptops in one episode, and yeah. then we'll abuse the heck out of the leopard in the following uh, episode after we've thrown a week of just battery of battery of batteries of tests at it. So I think that'll be good. All about punishing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, uh, thank you to our uh, uh, mumble room for joining us today, and thank you to Solomon from the Docker Project for calling in at the beginning of the show. That was great to get an update from them. And don't forget, guys, you can watch the show live on Tuesdays. We begin at 2 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. Show up about a half hour early to get the pre-show, and you can contact us. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, pop that contact link, and just use Linux Action Show. I don't even know if we have a separate entry for unplugged in there and then fill out the uh, contact info and send it in, and we'll read it on a future show. We'd love to get your follow-up. That way we have a thread through each episode. All right, Matt, we'll have a great week. I'll see you on Sunday, okay? Sounds good. See you then. All right, everyone, well, thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. Don't forget to download us, subscribe to us, and even rate in some of those other places, including Stitcher now. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you next week.